We will be getting, uh, as, and the parents to the babies who have been dedicated, if you can make sure that we have the proper spelling of all your children's names, we'll be getting the dedicated certificates out to you and the date and those things. And so that'll be great. Amen. All right, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. Man, it's been a minute. I feel like I haven't preached at home in a long time. Amen. But what a blessing it is to know that the Word of God still comes each and every week in power and in anointing to us, God. Right? Like God just sends it. I want to say to you that uh, today is the day that we start our Easter sermon series. And... um, We work for months on these things and think about how God can walk us through the journey of Easter. If you're new to Firm this year, we start four weeks before Easter. And we always take a a four-week journey to Easter Sunday morning. I want you to understand that a couple of things happen on Easter Sunday morning here at Firm Foundation Ministries. We will have a sunrise service. Nowhere in the Bible is it commanded. Okay? We're not making a religious commandment out of it. We just, we just come early uh, like they did on that very first Easter. If you would like to be a part of that at 7 a.m. Um, and I, I'm excited in the sense that each and every year we have, uh, we have God come in a new way to us. And, and uh, some of our young people share uh, in that morning. And so Corey Carpenter is going to be uh, preaching on that morning. Let's give God praise for that. And there's no, there's no pressure at all because four weeks of sermons lead to Sunday morning. And, and uh, you know, Corey's got to pass the baton from me at, or from himself on sunrise service to me at 10 a.m. So no pressure, Corey. Don't, just don't mess it up. Anyway, um, but it's going to be great. We also felt um, years ago that God gave his very best at Easter. And for all these years, we have come and said, we want to give our very best gift financially on Easter Sunday morning. And each year, we have dedicated some project and some type of things, and, and, um, uh, and we've moved into to using those funds to build uh, and, uh, an area that can facilitate what God has given us as a vision. And this year, I'll admit, it's the most aggressive It's the most aggressive goal we've ever had. But why not? If if you can come in here on this Sunday morning and experience a worship service where the high school youth group leads us in worship without missing a beat, I say, why not build a facility for them? I say, why not? And so... Our Easter offering this year is aggressive. It's time. Everybody say, it's time. It's time, time, and I know you know it's time. It's time to put that gymnasium up for those kids while the world is building places to draw kids away from God. The church should be building places to keep them. And we have some kids here who are worthy of our investment. And I say that there's nothing more I want to do with my life than invest it in young people. Nothing more I want to do with my money than invested in young people. And so, yeah, we've set a goal of 300000 Y'all got quiet. Mm. This week, we met with an architect. Are you ready? And I came away from that meeting the most encouraged I've been so far. Because in all of our wrestlings, we can look at the impossibility of a goal. If you don't know what it looks like, it's out there on the front. And I'm going to talk about it every week. But I, I was so encouraged that a, an architect showed up at this. He said, every time I drive by this church, y'all building something. And he said, I would be honored to be a part of it, especially if what you're building is for kids. And he looked at Bo McMillan and Matt Stutzman and myself, and he said, let me tell you how you can do this. Come on. Come on. Like, you ever just met an angel in a minute? 
A minute when every other word said it can't be done. And then all of a sudden somebody shows up and says, let me tell you how it can be done. I was like, yes, Lord. I love this guy. Can I keep him? (laughs) But it cannot be done without our faithfulness and stewardship. But let me tell you, don't let a number overwhelm you. Our goal is to say prayerfully consider one week's salary out of your out of your life towards this Easter offering. If the average income is $65,000 and we take care of 200 families, that's $1,250, that's at least $250,000 on one offering. It can be done. Now, Stephanie Johnson is tired of moving chairs for Tuesday night women's workout. And I don't know, there's more women here working out on Tuesday night than there are people on Sunday morning. <laughs> she said, I'm bringing two weeks salary because <laughs> I'm tired of moving chairs. It's, it, together we can. And together we can show the world, look what Jesus will do with his people when his people say we're committed to him. It can be done, church. Even the architect looked at me and said, that's pretty aggressive. I said, we'll let Jesus be Jesus. Amen? And I've always said this. And Brian Sneed will remember the very first time Brian Sneed ever came to a church service that I preached at. He heard me say these words. If the church wants to do something, the church should pay for it. We don't have to beg the world to pay for what we want to do. Hello, somebody. So there's nothing new. It's just exciting. Are you with me? And so here we go. Everybody say, here we go. go. Easter's four weeks away. And we're going to have a great time going through it. Are you ready? Watch Matthew chapter 21. Here we go. Watch this. Now, I'm going to start at the triumphal entry. You say, wait a minute, Pastor Don. That should be Palm Sunday. Just here we go. We're going to go the road from death to life. Here we go. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and it came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village in front of you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them, them. I wish I had time to expound that on you. It's a representation of the old covenant and the new covenant. It's so Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them. And he'll send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Imagine that. Jesus is fulfilling prophecy. Here it is. Say to the daughters of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, a foal. Of a beast of burden. Then the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. Just imagine if a church just, that was it. We just go and do what Jesus said. What y'all doing? What Jesus said. Why y'all doing that? Because Jesus said. They brought the donkey and the coal and put on them their cloaks. And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. And others cut branches from the trees to spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Imagine if Centerville got stirred up because of what Firm Foundation Ministries was doing. Hello, somebody. Who is this? That's what the crowd said. Listen to this. This is the prophet Jesus. The Nazarene from Galilee, or the Nazareth from Galilee. Watch this. Here we go. Father, bless the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Now, let me say this to you right at the start as we get started. Jesus resolutely sets his face towards Jerusalem. And on the road of Jerusalem, we find some some. Some aspects that I want us to focus on this morning. This road to Jerusalem is a road to death. 
on this road, we find some things like humility. On this road, we find some things like fulfillment. On this road, we find some things like obedience. On this road, we find some things like destiny. The road from death to life. Today, we start this journey in such a powerful way towards Easter, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is our journey over the next few weeks. And on this road that we're going to travel, we're going to take some directions, and we're going to find some locations. But in the end, all these directions, all these locations are going to bring us to one point and one point only, and that is to Jesus, God's Son, the Savior of the world. And I can't apologize to you or make accept or excuses for you that these roads we're going to travel on, as we see, there'll be roads that Jesus himself traveled on with his disciples. Some of these roads are going to be roads that Jesus himself looks at us and asks us to travel on. But they're all roads with a destination. Let me tell you something. In this place this morning... You may be traveling down the road of burden, but that road has a destination. And based on how you walk down that road determines whether you get to the destination. There can be roads of struggle, roads of wounds, roads of offense, roads of, of, of deep depression and anxiety, roads of addiction, roads of burden and all kinds. How we walk down these roads determines whether we get to the right destination or not. I need you to understand something this morning. These are roads with a destination. There's one thing to me that characterizes Easter over my years of preaching Easter sermon series, and that's passion. We know it as, as the passion of the Lord. Well, that's one of the references to Easter, right? It, but it was God's passion for lost mankind that brought Jesus to travel a journey to the cross. It was God's passion for the lost that allowed Jesus to walk the road to the cross and then forward from that to the resurrection. God's journey, God's passion. I love it as I read about the disciples. It's the disciples' passion for the call that's placed on their lives that motivates them into the adventure. Come on, church. To be his witnesses in the world. Do you understand that we we are a ministry for much more than just Sunday morning services. We're a ministry for much more than just religious activities. There is a ministry set in the local community because God has a passion for lost mankind. And therefore, he puts a call on his people in such a way that it would motivate them into the adventure of being his witness to a lost and dying world. So we begin. Now, let me just ask you this question. If you were given the opportunity to make a grand entrance, come on, Breno. You got two choices to make this grand entrance, Breno. You can come riding in on a donkey, or you can come riding in on a big old white steed. Can you see Breno in a rap video on a white steed? Come on, y'all. Can you see Breno in a rap video on a donkey? You're going to make a grand entrance. What you going to do? Which one you going to choose? Some frail little donkey or some white stallion? This is it. You see, the followers of Jesus at this time, here they were, right? They're, they're assuming Jesus is finally going to break out of his meekness. They're assuming he's finally going to break out of this mild little mood that he's got. And he's going to make a grand entrance into Jerusalem. And he's going to go blazing in on a white stallion after all. That's what the hero always does. You know, it's kind of like the Lone Ranger. Come on, somebody. Here we go. Jesus come riding in on silver. 
kicking up a dust storm like only silver can, right? And, and, and he, he comes to the sliding stop on this, on this steed, and, and Jesus hops off of silver, silver and goes and performs some kind of necessary wrapping up of the bad guys, the devil, right? And, and, then, and then he jumps back on the silver, right? And pulling back on the rings, silver raises up in the air, and Jesus screams out, hi-ho, silver, away as some William tapped overture plays in the background and there are some people standing by the cross going who was that masked man uh, the lone ranger you'll, you'll be alright I can see I can see Breno's face he's like that's the Jesus I want to follow that's it that's the one I want to follow because we like theatrics we like The heroisms. We like these staged events that make us look good. Who wouldn't want to follow Jesus like that? But here's the truth, church. The Jesus we read about in the Gospels, he's not so easy to follow. His life has two reoccurring things that Boy, in, in, in uh, Bible college this week, we were walking through the Gospels, and, and the, the professor, man, he was so brilliantly connected, uh, Jesus' bar mitzvah, to Jesus' uh, baptism uh, years later to the wilderness event. It, it just it blow your mind. You ever think Jesus is rude at 12 years old when his parents finally catch up with him and go, why did you do this to us? And Jesus says, you should have known I'd be about my father's business. You ever think Jesus was rude? You don't talk to your parents and go, mm, teach you. No. A 12-year-old Jewish boy, a bar mitzvah was designed to say you're a man and now you begin your journey to take over the father's business. So they had Jesus' bar mitzvah. He's 12 years old, and he, he's given permission by his, fa his family, his parents, to begin to take over his father's business. And for the next year, all the way up until age 30, a son would be trained by the father to take the business over at age 30. And so Jesus finds himself at age 30 in the Jordan being baptized by John the Baptist. And his father says, this is my You can't just read it. It is so good. You're just like, duh. Jesus wasn't being rude at all. He was telling his parents, I'm, I'm doing what we just celebrated. What's the father's business? To rescue mankind. Oh, it is so good. But this Jesus isn't so easy to follow. Come on, let's be honest. His life exhibits two things, right? The will of the Father. Oh, that's tough because sometimes that's not my will. And fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. And so he sets his face. And Luke chapter 9 says, The time approached for him to be taken up to heaven. Jesus resolutely, resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And so he makes an entrance on the Jerusalem road. It's that road that's less traveled. It speaks of humility, fulfillment, obedience, and destiny. Watch this. Here we go. The road of humility. Verse 1 and 3. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent his two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey and a colt with her. Untie them, bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord is need of them. And he'll send them at once. Mm. When I think of the king of kings, when I think of the king of kings, like the ultimate king, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't really think about a man of humility. I think about a man who's in charge. A man who is in charge. He's the ultimate authority. He's there above everything else. When I think about a king like that who might make his entry in, you think about pomp and pageantry. You think about the conquering rule of a king who is greater than any other king. Not humility. But think about this. 
On this day, the cries that the disciples heard of welcoming Jesus, they had to be saying in their own heart, this is it. This is it. He's finally going to overthrow the likes of the Romans. He's going to overthrow them. This is it. Listen, the whole city is stirred. Why? Because Jesus is there. Because Jesus is there. Listen, we get in a room with the presence of the Lord, you should be stirred. Are you with me? Are you with me? See, even when Morgan gets up and testifies and he says, I don't know where my life was at, but when I was in a room where Jesus was, I wasn't being stirred, and so I pressed into that, and all of a sudden God met me. I'm being stirred by something of who he is all my life. There's something inside of, of, of me that's of God that's being stirred. That's the way it should be. I mean, after all, it's Passover week here. It's a celebration of God miraculously delivering Israel from the bondage of the Egyptians. What better occasion for God to overthrow? This is too perfect, God. So he's entering Jerusalem for a few days before his crucifixion. He chooses to ride a colt of a donkey, not a white stallion. Can I say this to you? Here's our Savior. This is why Jesus is not so easy to follow sometimes. Because he didn't come in wealth. He came in poverty. He, he didn't come in grandeur. He came in meekness. He, he didn't come in fortune and fame. He came in humility. And he always talked about his kingdom as being one of servanthood and one of humility. He came, he came in humble fashion to show what the kingdom of God really looks like. And none of the disciples, none of the disciples, including the two that were sent after the critters, understood the Lord's purpose in this. And therefore, they didn't understand the events of what's to follow. Can I say this with all the love that's in my heart? Because we're so familiar with the event of Easter and the resurrection, sometimes I think neither do we. On the last night spent with his disciples in the upper room, only hours before he's supposed to die, watch this, some of them are arguing about who's going to be the greatest. I mean, you still don't get it. You still don't get it. You still don't get it. They just didn't understand the road of humility that Jesus was walking on. And again, by all appearances, sometimes neither do we. Let's be honest. I mean, we've got these grandiose thoughts of being saved from hell's fire. Come on! Like that, this event of, of God plucking us out of the fires of hell... We love and desire the blessings of God. But do we enter with Jesus on a journey of the road of humility? Because see, that road says, I'll live as Christ lived. To be conformed to his life and his death. You see, to live like Jesus is to die. Come on. You say, oh, well, what about walking in the power and the anointing of God? That's to live like Jesus too. But you got to experience the resurrection side. And you don't get to the resurrection unless you go through the cross. Hello, somebody. You see, the power of God often falls on our lives after we've died to something. Come on. After we've died to something. So to follow Christ is to live like Christ, to die like Christ. To follow Jesus into his salvation is to go the way of the cross. Think about this. That calls for humility. It's giving up selfish desires to be a part of all that Christ is, including his humility. In fact, it, I think it goes on beyond giving up selfish desires. And, and, and it literally calls us to give up self completely. Mike 
Munson in my office this morning, he was talking about, man, snowing in March. And we just started having a conversation about, why did Jesus call us? Hello, somebody. To Michigan. Of all the places in March that could be warm, here we are. And, you know, we get a couple of warm days in March, and we think, wow, winter's over, and then all of a sudden, March says, psych. And we remember, <laughs> Jesus calls me to be crucified. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jerusalem is a road, the road of humility. Watch this. It's also, though, don't let this discourage you because it's the road of fulfillment. And verse 4, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Oh, so good, so good. And so Jesus is entering Jerusalem uh, on a colt of a donkey. And it's not by chance, church. It's not by luck. It's not because that was the only animals available. He's there fulfilling the divine plan of God. Watch Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah, the prophet, is prophesying. He's coming. He's coming. And let me tell you how he's coming. It wasn't like they didn't know. The prophet never mentioned a white steed. But we reject that because that's not what God should be doing. And, and, and this that is mentioned in the New Testament, this prophecy that is mentioned here, listen, there's all kinds of prophecies talked about in Jesus. His life. There's prophecies about his entrance. There's prophecies about his arrest. There's prophecies about his trial. There's prophecies about his life. There's prophecies about his crucifixion. He's betrayed by a friend, Psalm 41. He's sold for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11. False witnesses are going to accuse him, Psalms 27. Silent and when he's accused, Isaiah 53. Struck and spit on, Isaiah 50. Suffered in our place, Isaiah 53. His hands and feet would be pierced, Psalms 22. Mocked and insulted, Psalms 22. Prayed for his enemies, Psalms 109. His side would be pierced, Zechariah 12:10. Soldiers would cast lot for his clothes, Psalms 22. Not a broken bone would happen in his body, Psalms 34. And buried with the rich, Isaiah Isaiah 53, or just a few prophecies about what God was doing with the life of Jesus. We meet Jesus in the New Testament, we think, what a coinky dink. Can I say to us as a church that this was God's plan from the beginning? And, and, and all if you, you're not reading the scripture if you can't see it. Page after page after page from the beginning to the end, God describes his plan. Here he comes. This is who he will be. God doesn't have a plan B. Can I tell you, Marvel Comics and DC Comics fans, you go to the movies and watch all the heroes you want to. They're not coming to save you. You may tell you why they're not coming to save you. Spider-Man ain't showing. Superman ain't showing up. The Incredible Hulk ain't showing up. As bad as I try. Just can't. I'm just too old and it hurts too bad. Where's Tavita? Just did he come? Tavita? Aw. Maybe Tavita. You know why a superhero's not coming to save you? Because the Savior has already come. You cannot see the whole life of Jesus and that it wasn't the divine plan of God from the beginning to redeem us. 
all Jesus went through was for the fulfillment of man's salvation. Every blow was planned by God and fulfilled by Christ. Can I ask you this this morning in a sobering moment? Will the fulfillment of God's plan be made manifest in your life? You see, the road to Jerusalem, the road to Easter, is also a road of fulfillment. And my question to us is, this Easter, will the fulfillment of God's plan be made manifest in our life? Jesus walked down this road knowing it was leading to his death, but also knowing it was leading to a better life for you and I. Come on, somebody. Hebrews chapter 12 says, For consider him who endured such oppositions of sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose hearts. The Jerusalem road is a road of fulfillment. It's a road of humility. It's a road of fulfillment. But it's also a road of obedience. Jesus sends two of his disciples to do the most strangest thing in the world. Go get a couple of critters. I, I need to ride them. And, well, we've walked down this road before. Why do, I mean, it's not like, why you got to ride today, Jesus? I mean, this is going to be odd. I'm just supposed to walk up and find a critter who's, and just take him. Just take him. Yep. That's, wait, that, just take him? Yep. And the colt, don't forget the colt, yep. Typically, the colt's going to follow the mom anyway. And then, they got to be in their mind thinking, nobody is going to let me take such a valuable animal. This was a work animal. It was valuable. Do you understand that? This animal was a, a burden, a beast of burden, not because it was a bad thing, but because it helped with the daily labors of carrying and, and moving things and those things. If you owned one, it was very valuable. And if the one you owned gave birth to another one, hello, somebody. Yeah. It's kind of like some of you parents realize that the more kids you have, the less chores you have to do. My dishwasher broke. No, I got four of them running around here. <laughs> Why do you think all these farmers have all these kids? No, I'm not farming anymore. You're farming. <laughs> you don't act like we don't live in this kind of community. You see all these Amish people and all these kids they have? <laughs> I love to pick on, oh, who is it? Kenny Burkholder. Anybody know Kenny, uh, the little Amish guy? Listen, he is as born again and spirit-filled as any Pentecostal I ever met in my life. I told him one day, I said, you and I both know you ain't Amish. He said, shh, don't tell nobody. You know, dude, I'm watching. <laughs> Kenny was at a funeral here, and me and Kenny were lying together. He's a little Amish guy about this tall. I kid you not, right? And, and him and I were just giving each other grief. And the two ladies behind us were like, we, we don't know. Do you guys like each other or not? <laughs> And Kenny said, God has called me to my people to teach them and tell them about Jesus. The real Jesus. The Spirit of God. And he said, I'm not worried about what it means to be Amish or what it means to be English. I'm worried about what it means to be a son of God saved by the blood of Jesus. I was like... I'm going to invite an Amish man to preach. Y'all going to be happy? I love Kenny. If you don't know, Kenny and his sons poured the cement of this building. This is strange. I'm going to go get two critters? I'm going to obey Jesus? Come on, Lord. And Jesus says, hey, hey, I know you're worried about it. If anybody says something to you, just say, hey, the Lord has need of it. I've already, this just tells me that the Lord's already taken care of this stuff. Yeah. See, some of the stuff we worry about, God's already gone before us. Yeah. 
Some of the stuff that we're concerned about and we fret about, Jesus is already taken care of, right? And so we worry about what it will take to be obedient and therefore we're hesitant on our obedience because we feel like we've got to do something that God hasn't done so we can be obedient. But Jesus is like, don't worry about being obedient. Do what I ask you to do. I've already taken care of it. If, if they say, hey, what are you doing? Say, the Lord has need of it. Oh, that's good. I mean, one year I preached a sermon. You remember that sermon I preached uh, one Easter? And the sermon, the title was, That's My Donkey? Yeah. Because when everybody's crying, Hosanna, and Jesus is riding down the parade, who do you think's the proudest one in the bunch? The guy who owns those two critters. There he is, fulfilling prophecy on my critter. Is such obedience part of your life? Is it part of my life? Are we willing to obey the words of Jesus this Easter? Because Jesus' life was one of obedience. Somebody say amen. Because his first loyalty was to his father. He said in John 6, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. He stated as a child, and I just shared a little bit at Bible College just in Luke chapter 2, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's But You just had a party releasing me. I thought we talked about this. Can you see it now? Gracie, wasn't it good? It was so good. We were just like. See, Jesus knew he was obediently fulfilling his father's business by dying on the cross. He knew it was the only way. And so the road to Jerusalem is one of obedience. And it calls for you and I to hear and heed the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is it the road of obedience, but it's the road to destiny. Verses 8 through 11 there. I'll just set you up. I don't have time to read the whole Bible to you. It's so powerful. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches and trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds went before him and that followed him, shouting, Hosanna, son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna. People spreading clothes, palm trees. It's a, it's a sign of destiny. The words that they cried, Hosanna, save us now, those are words of destiny. And so let me give you PD's definition of destiny because I don't want you to be confused this morning. Destiny is the setting part for a special purpose. It speaks of the inevitable. It's your destiny. I was so blown away by a painting that I saw that displayed the manger of Christ when he was born. And in the background, there's the shadow of a cross. He was destined by God to die on that cross. It's an incredible painting. Have you ever seen this painting before? I've never seen it before I started studying for the sermon. That there's the manger, the shadow of the cross. And if you take a moment to just embrace that, Anne Renee, she sent me a message later. She said, that painting is chilling. Because it speaks of destiny. It speaks of Revelation 13, 18. The lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. It speaks of Luke chapter 2 verse 34. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother. This child is destined. Ugh. By decree of God's divine plan of salvation, Jesus' destiny was the cross. There's no way around it. He was destined by the hand of God to die. Come on, church. 
In John 18, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight and prevent me from my arrest. But now the kingdom is from another place. You're a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, You're right in saying that I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus was destined to die that you and I might be destined to live. Oh, church. Romans 6. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Watch this. I'll put it up here because I want you to see it. As Jesus' destiny led him to the cross, we also must be people of the cross. Come on, somebody. Galatians 2. I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We cannot separate ourselves from our destiny to die to become like Christ. We cannot. You cannot be a Christian and separate yourself from the cross of Christ. You cannot be a follower of Jesus and separating yourself from the call to die. Jesus traveled the Jerusalem road. It was his destiny and so it is ours. Say amen. Come up here, worship team. Let's just... The name of Christ, the name of Christ has power not because Jesus' name is so rare. It's a very common name. In the Old Testament, it translates Joshua. But the name of Christ, his name Jesus, It shakes the kingdom of darkness because of who Jesus was. Not what his name is. He was a man of humility. Come on, somebody. And the kingdom of darkness can't fight that. He was a man of obedience. And the kingdom of darkness can't fight that. Come on, church. He was a man of destiny. And he was destined to die so that we are destined to live. And this Sunday, everybody say right now, right here. We begin our journey towards Easter. And it's a journey that leads to the one with the most powerful name. And let me say this to you. Jesus wants to be more in mind in your life than the Lone Ranger. Jesus wants to show up in our life in such a way that you and I never have to ask the question, who was that masked man? I don't know who he was. No, you see, our Savior rides in on the covenant of God through relationship so that we call him by name. Are you listening to me, church? Who was that man? His name was Jesus. Can I say this to us as you stand in this place? Will you consider Jesus today? Will you consider what he has done? If you have never given your heart and life to Jesus, will you consider the Savior of the world and count Him also as the Savior of your life. You see, Easter is about salvation. Will you consider Him? For consider Him who endured such hostility of sinners. Come on, church. 
or consider him? Will you consider walking down the Jerusalem road? Come on, church. This road of humility, this road of fulfillment. You see, there's a lot of broken people in this room right now. There's a lot of broken people listening. And your greatest despair at this moment is because of some brokenness in your life. There is a fear in your life of the lack of fulfillment that you thought would happen. But you see, the resurrection is something that overcomes death. And when brokenness comes and causes you to think that the fulfillment in your life has died, Jesus lives again to restore all things. So I don't know where you're at as we begin this journey, but we're going to walk down this road from death to life with the name of the most powerful name ever spoken because of the cross because of the resurrection the New Testament says there's no other name given under heaven and among men by which we must be saved his name it's the name of Jesus and so I want the altar to be open this morning if you want to consider him in any way Come, come, hallelujah. You are the word at the beginning. Come on.
faith today? We receive this word as the beginning of our journey. Where's the most powerful event in history? The moment when death itself was conquered. The moment when the redemption of man was sealed for all eternity. Bless our hearts and lives in the journey as we walk down these roads. Speak to us. Make Easter alive to us again, the body of Christ. Let us above all people during this season be those who celebrate the most because you are alive. We give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Turn